0: Welcome to a new episode of What Exactly Am I Watching Here, a proud member of the Overthink Podcast Network. I'm your host for now, Jason Helms, and I am no longer a lonely soul as I'm joined by my good bud, Dominic Lang. Say hi, Dom.
1: Hey, Jason. Good to be here.
0: Great to have you again. All right, before we begin a quick introduction of the show, What Exactly Am I Watching Here is a podcast that features an expert and a novice watching one of the great shows of television history. We are getting ready to start Twin Peaks The Return. I am psyched. This is the wrong point to tune in. Uh if this is your first episode <laughs> maybe maybe like Twin Peaks season 1 I don't yeah. know other places just a, uh, yeah
1: just maybe saying go somewhere else if you want to start the show Uh yeah. all
0: right so uh let's get ready to dive in and right now we are slowing things down we're going to handle the return one episode at a time so keep your eyes on the giant glass box because my log has a message for you <laughs> Dumb. Before we get into where we left off, yes, sir. I want to be professional. I want to do all that stuff, but I gotta know. Yeah, I got to know.
1: You got to. How you feeling? So okay, I'm, I'm. So I'm coming into the return, like just season two. Firewalk with me. The return. I'm going like a couple of weeks in between. Uh, what I'm trying to keep in mind is that David Lynch went 25 years between this stuff. Um and so if he was like abstract and surreal back in the early 90s, he seems to have gone even deeper in that. So to to put it bluntly, it's the opening of The Return feels very similar to season 2 opening in that it's it feels like I'm the, like he's trying to throw me off off the scent. Just like whatever kind of warm, fuzzy Twin Peaks, damn good cup of coffee feeling you were hoping for, not gonna happen. There's there's Cooper and uh the giant who technically is listed in the credits as question marks, uh, but black and white, so we don't even get we don't even get like the color of the red room. There's a scene with some clues. And then we're in like just whole other characters, whole other locations. Like, there's nothing that's like, hey, welcome back. Like, it's not Twin Peaks is not cheers. And as much as I told myself that, as much as like, hey, expect the unexpected, that is Twin Peaks. Like, you're never ready for what you're going to see. You never but, like. But oh. Dr. Jacoby, he got some shovels. I got some. <laughs> yeah. He got, okay. Didn't that
0: do it for you? Are you? Do you feel better now? Look. <laughs> am I, look, am I not satisfied? <laughs> okay. Not Jacoby has shovels. I did,
1: Are you not entertained? I loved. I did love his glasses reveal. That that I thought was was choice. I thought just the like uh, is that is that Jacoby? And as soon as I was like I don't know, boom off go, <laughs> just off go one pair of glasses and there's the red and blue I'm like boom. there he is. Boom. <laughs> he is.
0: He's like Superman under his Clark Kent costume. Yeah.
1: Oh, I'll, I'll say. OK, so it'd be like the the warmest and fuzziest I got during during part one was uh, the log lady's phone call to Hawk. Yep.
0: Now, Margaret uh, and the actor who plays her, mm-hmm. uh, I I got to I got to bring you down to reality real quick. Yes. Um. So let me. Grab the, uh, whew, there's a lot of people there. Oh, Catherine Colson, in Ooh. memory of right there at the yeah. end. Uh, so that lets you know that um, the actor who plays Margaret, Catherine Colson, died uh, between somewhere between when this was filmed and when it aired. Mm. Um, she is not the only actor that that is true of in Twin Peaks The Return. Wow. And this is going to be a theme. Uh, I don't think it's a theme that <laughs> David Lynch worked on. I mean, that sounds really yeah. disturbing. So it really um, uh But it's it's a very odd theme to have in this, mm-hmm. but you're right. And, and that gives it – it feels good to see Margaret again. It feels really good to hear from her log again. Um, but there's – it's bittersweet because you know that uh, Catherine Coulson is dead. Yeah. Um, and she knew that she was dying when she filmed the scenes. And you can feel that in those scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, God, those are some good scenes.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, overall part one feels very – it feels uh, darker grittier sparser almost it's almost like like a band decides to make a a stripped down harder edged album than their previous work and they just like kind of a back to basics and i can even see that in the the filmmaking style um there's not a lot of camera movement a lot of stuff's done in the wide so you're not cutting into a lot of stuff um, minimal lighting dare i say it just like if i'm being highly critical it yeah. looks a little lazy yeah and i wonder if that's gonna hold all the way through if that's just like just the beginning and then it changes um i don't know so like i'm trying not to i'm trying not to be too specific because. I'm also I'm remembering the lesson of Lil of Firewalk with me like to pick apart every little thing when you're playing with the abstract and the surreal and the dream is to I feel like I'm missing I'd be missing the point. Right. So rather to just like sit in that dream world and not think about like, well, who built the room where the glass box is in and like what exactly you know are who built has the blueprints and like, okay, there's a, it's Billy Zane. It's, Oh, we all know it's Billy Zane. John Justice Wheeler coming in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Jack. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'll say like, I like the fact that it like just throws you in, uh, to a bigger universe than Twin Peaks, like than the town and going to New York. Yeah. I mean, big. And, uh, Buckhorn, South Dakota. Yep, which looks remarkably like Southern California. If I'm just going to be honest, <laughs> they're not wrong. Yeah, um, but and it's
0: not the first time that Twin Peaks has taken us to the Dakotas. It was the uh, the great school bus caper at the beginning of oh, the Fire walk with
1: Me. Yes. Oh God, does that that would absolutely make my day if there was a if there was a tie. Back to the great school bus caper in in some like just the south Dakota the Buckhorn Police Department just going back in their files, golly, that would be that that would warm my heart
0: i'm I'm looking in the background i, w- I want to see it there somewhere yes
1: uh, Yes. yeah, yeah, and so yeah, like those are kind of my i guess like high level initial uh reactions to it um. There's there are some clues given by the giant, very similar to when the giant appeared to Cooper in the initial run of the show. But the big thing with Cooper is the notion of this doppelganger. And so the end of season two, Cooper is taken over by Bob, his doppelganger out in the real world. The good Agent Cooper is in the Black Lodge. So that's where we are still 25 years later. And it seems like the doppelganger has built a life and also has really defied the laws of fashion with this hair of his. Oh, man. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And
0: here's one of the things I mentioned earlier. Uh, Go back to that last scene of uh, the original Twin Peaks run Mm -hmm. when... Dale looks in the mirror and says how's Annie mm. because the set of his jaw is identical mm. to Bad Coop mm. and he remembered that that role there's something there that it's the same guy wow and as, as you watch this episode you could tell i mean that yeah i i for me my um my disbelief fell away pretty quickly in that I see good Coop and bad Coop as completely different characters. Oh yeah. Very, very easily. Yes. I'm not saying like, Oh, there is Kyle McLaughlin playing another character. Mm -hmm. Uh, It, it really, he, he really acts the hell out of it.
1: Yes. The, the performance in just body posture and his syntax, the way he speaks, like there's a, a warmth to agent Cooper, good agent Cooper. And then there's a, just a harshness and this kind of like a blunt object of bad coop. Uh, And I, I think I texted you. I was like, he bad coop looks like a greasy version of Bob. If that was even a thing, but he does just looks like an older, greasier, dirtier Bob, but like a meaner, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love, I love that uh, connection between bad coop and Bob. Yeah. Um, this, this whole season for me is, uh, because it's, it's not going to start making a lot more sense. I'll give you that warning. You know, it's, it's going to be, you're in for a long road. Okay. Uh, I think it's worth it, but yeah, you're in for, for a while. Um, unlike Twin Peaks season two. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's like, uh, you know, Lynch is going to sit you down in his interrogation room. He's going to tear every secret out of you. Even if he has to play uh, a little bit of good coop, bad coop.
1: <laughs> well played. Well done. Uh, yeah i do what i can yeah uh Ben,
0: yeah. just cut cut everything just just from the beginning just cut just everything. Uh, stop
1: oof. it all um yeah i mean the there are things that interest me just in the sense of yeah. like the architecture uh, like that that a system exists where someone is paid to watch a giant glass box and he has to always be changing out the SD cards so that the security cameras are always recording. Um uh, I think, yeah, you know, like that's that's kind of fun. Uh in the sense that and, and I was even thinking like, oh, this is like this is where Lost got a lot of its stuff. I was like, yeah. wait, but this was 2017. This was like seven years after Lost. And <laughs> it and it still feels like it's not ripping anything off. It just it just feels like Lynch is still off in his land and everything else is still kind of an aping of it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's almost like Lynch saying, Hey, where do you think lost got it from guys?
1: Right. Right. And so, yeah, I love the architecture to it. And I love the, I guess, groundwork that's being laid for a broader story. And I was reading uh, another kind of recap of part one. to just like, because there's so much that's new, it's hard to get a context of it, even if to just have someone else going like, what the heck is going on? Like, okay, yep. that helps. Um, but somebody brought up the point of there are multiple instances of people forgetting or struggling to remember in this particular, in this part one. Um, Bill Hastings, shout out to Matthew Lillard. Uh, he's,
0: the, he's the murderer. <laughs> He is the killer. What? We all watch Scream. We know.
1: <laughs> him and Skeet Ulrich.
0: That's right. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. Nice work. Skeet. There
1: it is. I was gonna pull out Shaggy, but you know, Scream also works. Oh yeah.
0: Wow. One of my favorite uh I don't want to defend Family Guy, but one of my favorite gags of all time mm. is when they're referring to shooting Skeet, and it cuts to Skeet Ulrich on a stretcher. <laughs> Why'd you shoot me? And Cleveland just looks at him and says, There's nothing good about who you are or what you do. <laughs> Such anger for Skeet Ulrich! Come on!
1: <laughs> oh my God! Uh, so Matthew Lillard uh, in in Twin Peaks—that's happening. Uh, but he plays a—he's a principal who whose fingerprints are in an apartment that he claims never to have been in, uh, where there is a there's a decapitated head, and then a body. There's a there's a head. That's one body. And then there's a body without a head that's different. We don't know how they got there, what's going on. And he can't account for about an hour or 45 minutes of the night of the murder. The neighbor of the dead woman keeps forgetting small details, then remembering, then uh, almost, I love that
0: neighbor. I totally forgot about oh her. My so heavens,
1: cute. Marjorie green, Marjorie green. Oh, Marjorie. It's like a record skipping because you have like the sa- little pieces played differently at different parts. So like, she'll remember the first part, but then forget the second and she'll forget the first, but remember, and then it's backwards. And, and so like, it's never the full story with her. And, uh, even, even the log lady, even, yeah, when she she calls Hawk and says something is missing, like there is is a gap, there is uh, not everything is where it should, not everything can be remembered. And so Hawk has to go back to the files and source through what's going on or source like trying to find some information. And so the fact that memory in and of itself is not a reliable source of information. Memory is malleable and memory fades and warps um, much like wood. David. Yes. Yes.
0: Much like, much like my log. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: the fragmentation is such a theme of uh, this season hmm. in particular, but maybe all of twin peaks, fragmentation of memory, fragmented stories, Yeah, a little peek behind the curtain. Um, the way that Lynch put this together, evidently I've learned from interviews, uh, particularly one with Matthew Lillard, Uh, on the watch from the ringer is uh, one of the things that Matthew Lillard says is he filmed like four to five times as many scenes as are shown in Twin Peaks that there's just tons of other footage. And it seems as though what it's similar process to fire walk with me, probably, Mm. which is where do we get another 90 minutes of, of movie is he, he shot a lot more than he showed us. Yeah. And he did not write a script. And say, and, and here is the way we will go through the entire thing. Uh, he wrote a lot of scripts. And he didn't necessarily have the coherence, the overall picture. Uh, he might have had some overall pictures, but he didn't necessarily know how it was all going to fit together when he was filming. Wow. And his method is actually a little bit closer to a remix, to taking all these different little pieces and stitching them together. Yeah. Um. Which is... It shows up in interesting ways. Uh, I think it shows up a lot in the acting. I was particularly thrown by the acting of um, the uh, Tracy and Sam.
1: Yeah. But, I, I
0: but, didn't but. feel like bad acting, but felt interestingly cold and performative. It, it felt like stage acting in some ways, uh, but acting in like a – it felt like waiting for Godot. It felt like
1: mm.
0: people saying their lines, knowing that there was more behind them, and then waiting for the audience to have an existential crisis
1: yeah it 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 very much felt like like they were just playing the beats so mm-hmm. that they could get to the part where they're naked and the ghost breaks through the glass and slashes into death like yeah like we're just okay we're, we're gonna play the song so that we can really like basically screw up your entire world yep despite the i'd say like flatness of the portrayal. So again, like the minimal lighting, the kind of just point and just set up a camera and kind of do it in a wide. Uh the the lack of a score yeah was for me very noticeable. Yeah. Uh because again, like in the original series, you have a lot of Angelo Badalamenti's uh kind of like warped lounge 50s music. And then here there's nothing, and it almost by the end it's it is very unnerving because you are waiting for something to happen uh sonically, and yeah. when it does happen it's it's David Lynch actually it's a remix i think of well the the song title at least is a remix of american woman mm-hmm. um and it's like. Very akin to, uh, it's very industrial. Um, I, I was going to say Nine Inch Nails, but it's even more, like, more metallic and well, harder. Well, that's a
0: frequent collaborator of Lynch, uh, Trent Reznor. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, uh, well, that's all I'm going to say. Okay.
1: And, yeah, and so th- that remix and that kind of just, like, okay, so we're going to lay out some fragments and... It feels like he's being faithful to a process rather than a like a mechanical engineer, just like, yeah, okay, boom, 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 boom. We're not gonna make a move until we know everything. Lynch is like, all right, so we got piece of flesh in the trunk, we've got glass box in New York. Let's make it.
0: (laughs) It's um I'll be interested to reflect on the season to see to what extent you think that Lynch has a coherent vision. Uh, I think he does, but I don't know how much that is just me saying, I'm on board with Lynch. As you can tell with this stuff, it's easy to impose a narrative, right? Yes. And to impose coherence as you see these. Uh, And so it'll be interesting to decide, okay, to what extent am I doing that?
1: Yeah. It's interesting, because I'm reading uh, a book right now called The Storytelling Animal by Jonathan Gottschall. And uh, he references an experiment done I think in the early part of the twentieth century, where there's uh basically a sequence of six shots, so an actor's close up and then a bowl of soup, and then an actor's close up and a coffin and then an actor's close up and a naked woman and so montage the- montage but then he they're asked people who've seen it are asked like. So what is the actor feeling? Is it Koleshaw effect? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Nice. There you go.
0: I, I have taught this. Sorry. Yeah,
1: you've taught this, man. But wow. it's, and what's interesting is that like, oh, you know, people say the actor is hungry, the actor is sad, the actor is, is lusting or desiring the woman. It's the same close-up. Yep. All three times. And he's making the point that in the absence of narrative, we will create one. Yeah.
0: What it reminds me of is the, I, I think Lynch is working really hard to actually resist that. Okay. To have us realize that we want connection and we're not feeling it. One of the things is, uh, I mean, that's the feeling of trying to put this together. We really can't at this point, not just because we don't have any enough information, but it's put together in an intentionally obscure way. Yes. You know, we might say the the feeling is it's uncanny. Uh, Freud used that term. The word he used was unheimlich which is uh unhomely you feel like it's not home mm. and that really for me is what lynch is doing here there's those few moments right uh back in twin peaks uh when you see deputy andy when you see margaret when you see hawk when you see lucy and you you feel at home but those moments are so brief and it's almost like they're only there to remind you that you're not home and if you played the Background music. I mean, when that plays and the Twin Peaks logo came up and everything started up again, you had to feel a little bit of chills, a little bit of, ah, oh, we're home. Totally. It's going to be okay. Totally. And yet nothing about this episode says it's going to be okay. Yeah. It is all to throw you off of that feeling. And so the, the nakedness in terms of the lack of soundtrack, it's all, all of that conspires and creates a kind of coherence, which is a general effect of incoherence. Yes. Um, <laughs> which is, I mean, you mentioned the color shop effect. I mean, that's, yeah we see how difficult it is to actually create in- incoherence. That's something that has to be fought for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And credit to the man for creating a united sense of dissonance. Yeah. And yeah, so I wonder if that's a, if that's a thought to kind of just hold of the, like, the desire for cohesion and intentionally not getting it. What does that say about the world of Twin Peaks? And so to even kind of like ruminate on the fact that as there were 25 years between the end of the show's regular, like initial run and the return, the the universe inside like the Twin Peaks universe has had time to grow and warp and mutate and Whatever dissonance, whatever Bob was driving at, has had time to become further dissonant. Has had time become further infectious, and though the desire for cohesion remains, it's becoming all the more uh, clear that we we live in that we live in a place without cohesion. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's harkens back to the original Twin Peaks, which was such a slice of nostalgic Americana. One thing that Lynch loves to do is bring back this 1950s idea of America. Mm-hmm. Um, small town America. He And he really cares about small town America. He's not trying to tell us that small town America is a lie. Right. But he also wants to remind us that beneath that veneer, mm. there was always evil. Uh, that was also there. And maybe in 2017, there's a reversal of now the veneer is cracked and the evil is on the surface. Uh, and then... I guess the question would be for the rest of the season, do we see some of the, the good? Do we see some of the hopeful beneath that veneer?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because if I'm thinking about it, the initial feeling of Twin Peaks was a murder breaking into this idyllic time and place. And now it's a very dark time that we're just thrown into there. there is no happiness that gets upturned at the beginning of the show. Like even going back to the police department, it kind of seems, I don't know. It it doesn't feel like, I I mean, outside of, outside of Andy, who's always Andy, I suppose. No, (laughs) Lucy
0: has not aged a day and I don't know how.
1: Yeah. Andy seems to have swallowed the Christmas turkey. He did. He did, <laughs> uh, but uh, even then, it, it feels a little. It feels lacking in that office, and and so I think that in I definitely feel that inversion of, okay, like I'm ready for something good and pure to be in this world, but I do know that's going to take some time. It it almost feels like okay, like. Cooper has to find a way back and Cooper has to find a place in this new place. Yep.
0: Oh, okay. Um, we, we went pretty deep there. Let's, uh, let's try and get back to the
1: surface. Um,
0: yeah, find our way
1: up. Find our way up.
0: Uh, Woo! we, have we talked about the arm?
1: Uh, I believe that's episode. That's part two. Oh, Okay.
0: We didn't get to the arm in episode one. I apologize. I watched yeah. ahead. Um, yeah. Yeah, Um, I'm excited to to talk about why the casting change on
1: that one. But we'll say, yeah, let's do that one. So the so for the surface kind of fun game plan, the three clues that the giant gives Cooper are to remember four, three, zero. But so four thirty or four hundred and thirty. Richard and Linda. And two birds with one stone yep and those are the those are the three clues. My initial thought is four thirty is a time i like but it could either be a sequence of numbers, so like four, three, and zero or i don't know four hundred and thirty i guess Richard and Linda. I'm trying to rack my brain if i if we met a Richard and Linda in the original series. And I don't think we did. Mm. Okay, so somebody, somebody's named Richard and Linda, and then two birds with one stone, one action <laughs> taking up. Okay, so the giant's given us some stuff to think about. Yep, it's good to see him again. Yeah, it's good to see him. Uh, and then where? So where do you think they are? Wait. Where do I think who is? The giant the giant and dale. Where are we during this? Because it's in black and white. Yeah. And he says Cooper is far away. And then Cooper disappears. Uh I it feels like he is somewhere other than the either it feels like he's in the Black Lodge, but like a Black Lodge flashback. Okay.
0: Um, The other thing is the room with the red curtain yeah, and the black and white floor
1: is sometimes Mm -hmm. described
0: in Twin Peaks mythology as the waiting room. It's neither the Black Lodge nor the White Lodge.
1: The waiting room.
0: And so what we're seeing could be the Black Lodge, it could be the White Lodge, it could be some other kind of space.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's always confusing to me as to if... So when we see that room, if we are... In the Black Lodge, or like you said before, in this kind of waiting room space? And
0: my own sense is that the giant is good. The giant has only ever been a force of good. And so yeah. he would not be in the Black Lodge. And so it may be that for the last 25 years, or for parts of it at least, question is, has been Dale been in the waiting room, or has he been in the White Lodge this whole time? Mm. And it'd be, it'd be nice to believe, at the very least, that he's been in the White Lodge for 25 years. Not certain that all the evidence points that way. Yeah. Maybe he was just taken there for this conversation. Maybe this isn't the White Lodge. Again, just just like with the uh, first two seasons of Twin Peaks and with Fire Walk with Me, it's no spoiler to say that um, these are not necessarily going to be explained
1: perfectly by the end of this season.
0: you <laughs> are not going to be like, oh, I, I understand the entire Twin Peaks cosmology. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Oh, it all makes sense. Yeah. But not like I'll I'll give Lynch a lot of credit in the sense that we knew like when when dale cooper stood for something and personified a good we knew it yeah and he never made cooper out to be flawless but he made him out to be someone who strove for good and as much as like whatever exploration of evil and of darkness there is um like you said i I don't think Lynch hates small town America um but finds it like a a place in which he can explore the near and explore that tension of darkness just underneath and coming up and destroying things so. Yeah, I, all that to say, that's where I'd push back. If like, it doesn't feel like Cooper's in the White Lodge, in that opening, only because I'd I would imagine it, for lack of a better term, happier.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a a good question. Is to to what extent is the the White Lodge? Well, we never learn much about the White Lodge. We have um, the the military guy. Oh, Garland. Uh, Garland Briggs. Garland. Thank you, yeah. Major 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 Briggs. He has some recollection of something that might be the White Lodge. Yeah. Something. Oh, the throne. Yeah. yeah. With all the, the greenery, and, and it's very positive. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But it, it's tough to know exactly how happy that would be. Just as it's, it might be tough to know how evil the Black Lodge is. Uh, I think that whatever happens in Fire Walk With Me is the closest we get to seeing it uh, so far.
1: Okay. Just got to take it on faith going into part two. Part two of 18. Of 18. It's not just, oh, like a little special. This is well... I mean, season one was like eight episodes? Yeah. So this is this is like two two season ones plus some. Yep. Plus Firewalk With Me. Yep. We're just getting the whole thing.
0: And he said that it's meant to be watched in a single sitting. Uh, it's, it, what? It, it's a film. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Now, in, to support that, he released the first four. Uh, at once. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that was his decision or Showtime's. One reason for it is this was a tough watch, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And so I think watching four of them at once, you at least start to feel the plot move forward. Uh, this, okay. is, this is starting a lot of stories, right? We, yes. But nothing really happened because we're just starting to get our feet under us. Mm-hmm. You and I have each gone ahead and watched episode two. We'll be recording on that shortly. And things start to move a little bit. But again, the pace is not going to pick up much for a while. Um, okay. And so dropping four at once is a great way to get people to say, see, see, hang in there. Stuff does happen in this show. I swear. <laughs> Probably not a terrible move on Showtime's part.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was reading the article. I, I posted to it, but the article's from Vulture and it's. Why Twin Peaks is not the series we've convinced ourselves it was, yep. and this was on the just before the return aired. And uh, Matt Zoller Seitz is a wonderful TV critic and reviewer. He writes about his experience when season two premiered,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and <laughs> um, I'll just read because it's hilarious. The show spent the first part of its season two premiere showing Cooper lying on the floor, summoning all the energy in his damaged body, trying to tell an elderly, shuffling bellhop to go get help. The bellhop seemed incapable of understanding what he wanted, much less that Cooper had been shot and would bleed out if help didn't come soon. The scene went on and on and on and on. It was amusing at first, but then it became maddening. Finally, one of my friends muttered, What the f- Fuck. (laughs) Yep.
0: This is that scene for I'm just gonna say at least one episode question mark. Um but you I you can laugh about it and you get the sense that that Lynch is having fun with us. Yeah. He knows that it's not moving, he knows we want it to move, and he knows he never wanted to make a show where the point of it was to solve the murder of Laura Palmer.
1: Exactly. I mean, like he's he's playing in such a surreal I mean, it's like Fellini making a TV show. Yes, just like, very much so. You, why would you expect anything to look, like, linear? Why why would you expect CSI from these people? Like, you know it's just going to be a space and an environment and a mood more so than a, like, here's the problem. Here's the, here's the protagonist. Here's the journey. Here's the resolution. Like, we're living in a world now. Yep. And now we have to see what unfolds.
0: Yeah, this, this show is going to have to spin off into a, a uh, David Lynch uh, movie festival where we, we just watch Lynch movies uh, for another couple months afterwards because it's, I think watching some of them explains a little bit about, you know, where has Lynch been? What has he been doing since Twin Peaks? Uh, yeah. he's, he Like you said, he's gotten weirder. He's, yeah. he's really gotten out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's weird. I love
0: it. Yeah. Anything else to add, Dom?
1: Uh no. I I feel better now than when when we started started our chat just now. Uh before we before we talked, I was very sour on on part one. Yeah. And uh having having talked through it, talked about it, I feel a little more like, okay, like this is again just This is a welcome mat into a far weirder, far stranger place.
0: Yep. These, um, yeah, these shows, I, this show is really a lot better on a rewatch and it's not because like, oh, you pick up stuff. It's because that sense of nothing's happening, nothing's happening. I need something to happen. goes away Mm. because you, you know what happens. And so knowing what happens, you, you have a sense of comfort. Uh, at the very least, you know where you're going. Mm-hmm. And I I don't even think that I I I don't know for you, but I, I don't know to what extent it's a feeling that, you know, maybe Lynch won't stick the leaning, you know, maybe this isn't what I want to see. Maybe it's not. It's just uncertainty. Where are we going? What's happening? Um yeah. and I my own experience of watching this was that for a while and slowly finding ways to turn it off and just say, I'm just going to enjoy what's in front of me. Um yeah. which is funny. That's again very zen. Is stop thinking about the goal and just enjoy the process. Uh, and Lynch crafted a TV show as Zen Machine uh, to try and get you to just kind of groove with it. Uh, yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention uh, in terms of lighting there's a lighting effect that Lynch likes a lot. It is shown when uh, Bad Coop is driving the mountain road. Yeah. Uh, headlights in darkness. And one piece of the effect is that the corners of the picture fall into darkness, complete pitch black. And you cannot tell where the shot ends and where your TV begins. And he does it multiple times. Uh, there's also a shot. I can't remember. If it it's from episode one or two of uh, train trucks and a, a train going along and the center of it is oh, lit. Man. And that means that the left and right, where the train comes in, and where the train leaves are just, they're not dark. It's a void from which the train yeah. comes. And it's very, very carefully and intentionally lit. Uh, and I think it, It's almost the thesis of Twin Peaks. Every single piece of it is that it's this little light held out against the darkness. Um, Mm. That composition is really important to him. And it starts to make sense of the the really just, like you said, lazy lighting in some of the scenes. Yeah. That that's intentional too. That I I think he does care about lighting. Uh, Not to say that he spent any more time lighting that shot than it looks like he did. Uh, But... (laughs) But just that that that's intentional. That's that's part of his method.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'll say that 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 spotlight definitely casts a mood and definitely creates that sense of foreboding spookiness of not knowing what's around you immediately. Yeah.
0: Well, um, we're going to move on, but I want to ask you a few questions before we go. First off. Yeah. You wish you waited 25 years.
1: No. Okay. I no no. Darn. Not even
0: not even a <laughs> bit of it. All right. Cool.
1: Nope. <laughs> the uh, second off. Mm. Uh, it's
0: it's Dom's prediction corner. Wow. What's gonna happen?
1: Uh, so there's there's flesh in the trunk of Bill Hastings' car. Ooh, doggy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't think Bill was the only person in. I think Bill A was in the apartment. Okay. But I don't think he was the only person in the apartment. Okay. I mean like physically as well, not just right. like oh it was Bob. Not Bob, yeah. No, there's like I I think there was somebody else. Um I think Evil Bad Bad Coop, if there's a, a shortened version of his name, Bad Coop is not going to go quietly. Mm-hmm. Uh, his resistance is a main cause of the disturbance in the Twin Peaks world. Okay. So I, I think that is something, as much of a like main plot point as Lynch has main plot points, I feel like that's going to be one of them. And I don't feel like Agent Cooper, Special Agent Dale Cooper, good Coop, I don't feel like he's going to get to Twin Peaks until like way down the road. Like, I would be very shocked if he finds a way out and then just like lands in the sheriff's office in in part yeah. three.
0: All right, I'm gonna. I'll give you an over under. Oh, okay. Uh, let's let's do the over under at episode nine, halfway through.
1: Oh, I I'd say I'm going to take.
0: Dale Cooper is in Twin Peaks by episode nine. Over. Over. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to narrow you down more than that. I wanted to play okay. the game and, and really get you to call an episode, but. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we, we can try. Yeah. yeah all, all right. Episode <laughs> uh, episode 13.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, wait. You want me to say episode 13? Yeah, I over, me to say... over or under. Wow. Over.
0: Oh, episode 16. Under. Okay. All right, good. So we got a, We got a good little, you know, 14, 15, yeah. something in there. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a vibe for it. Uh, now, the Dom who finished off Twin Peaks Season yeah. 2, and the Dom who finished off Fire Walk With Me, mm. I asked him some questions about the return.
1: Yeah.
0: One of the things he said is, you know, I said, who do you need to see back? And and you were very much like, hey, I don't care, man. I'm just grooving with it. It'll be cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: you still feeling that way? Or or there some faces you need
1: to see? Um, so I, I'll be honest, I was really bummed to see, yeah. uh, oh wait, no, that's, I think that's part two.
0: Don't worry, we're, we're good. Okay. Other people will watch.
1: Yeah. Possible spoilers it. ahead, because we're confused. So I see, James Hurley shows up in part two, and that yes. really made me sad. Yes, I know. I was, I was really <laughs> like, oh shit.
0: Oh, oh, let's talk about <laughs> his friend and his, his odd wardrobe, uh, what? once no. we get there. Good lord. But,
1: yeah, yeah okay, so, so anybody so, you need so, to see uh Andy and Lucy's uh great to see them. Hawk, I love, love. uh Log Lady warms my heart. I would love to see Garland Briggs. Yep. I like that man endeared himself to me with the the speech of his dream to to Bobby. Like that's one of my favorite scenes in Twin Peaks. Yep. And as far as a wish list of people that I want to see, uh he's on there and Uh, I would, uh, Audrey. Uh, Yeah. All right. Audrey. Cool. Uh, I got to
0: give you some bad news about, uh,
1: Major Briggs. Uh, Oh, no. Is he, did the actor pass away?
0: Yeah. Dr. Don Davis, PhD, uh, played Garland Briggs, uh, died in 2008. So, whereas many of these actors died in 2016 and 2017, he is, he's not one of the ones that, that made it that far. So I just... I don't. I don't want to
1: crush your dreams. <laughs> but yeah, but you don't want to string me along either.
0: Right? Maybe there's some. Uh, there's probably six more hours of Fire Walk with Me footage that uh, you know he wasn't in that Lynch could resurrect him. You know, there's, there's yeah. gotta be. A, there's gotta be.
1: A I mean, he was. He, he probably read a lot more of Revelation than Lynch showed.
0: I just. I, I my prediction, having already seen the show, is that mm-hmm. uh, episode eight will just be. A solid hour of him on that throne. Yes, uh, just just that scene.
1: Yeah, slow push in. Yep. Then slow pull out. Yep. Slow push yep. in. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. Okay. Absolutely. That's well, right. I'm I'm pumped for that one. <laughs>
0: yeah, sounds good. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, thanks thanks for being with me again. Um, we are going to keep things uh, a little bit shorter. I think this is probably a longer episode based on the uh, Twin Peaks: The Return. I'm gonna shoot for closer to 30 minutes for these episodes uh because we're recording one podcast episode per tv show episode so uh the good news is we'll be coming out with them a lot more quickly it won't be every other week and it won't be months of silence at a time so we will see you all next week as we, we talk about twin peaks the return episode two until then you can get a hold of us on twitter where our handle is at overthinkpod and find more at overthinkpod.com uh, I'm on Twitter as at Helmstreet. And uh, Dom, where can people find you?
1: Uh, I'm on Twitter as well as at Dominic underscore Lang. And on Instagram at, uh, at Dominic Lang. And for now,
0: just remember 430. Richard Linda, uh, two birds, one stone. And I think you guys got it from there. Yep. Uh, catch you next week.